You are Locked On Eagles, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, welcome in. Close the door behind you, everybody, and lock it. Let's get locked into the Philadelphia Eagles right here on the Locked On Eagles podcast. My name is Louis DiBiase. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday edition of the show. Alongside one of my co-hosts in crime, it's Lars Lewis. What's up, pal? Dallas week. Dallas week. And it's Dallas a big week. Dallas week, Lars. This is no is this, normal Dallas week. Okay, i got to ask you this. Is this the biggest Dallas week in recent memory? So the last time there's been a game of this importance, because this is like this is literally the season. This is a playoff game for the Eagles. The last time that has been the case in the regular season was 2013. Week 17, Eagles-Cowboys winner gets in at the NFC East. Loser misses the playoffs. Remember, Kyle Orton was starting that game for the Dallas Cowboys. Oof. One play I randomly remember in that one was DeMarco Murray, the Cowboy running back mowing over Damian Square, one of our nose tackles. He drilled him into the sun. I remember that, but McCoy had a huge game that day, and the Eagles ended up taking it, and then the next week against the Saints. I don't want to be reminded about that, but that was the last time, and Lars, that's the situation the Eagles are in right now, because at 6-6, at six and six, Dallas a game up. The Eagles have to, and we've been saying it for the past couple of weeks, if you've listened to our recent podcast, which, by the way, thank you, everyone, for being patient yesterday, not being able to record a show. But on Tuesday, myself and my other co-host, Gino Camilleri, we were on giving you some realistic playoff scenarios for the Eagles to get in. Even if they don't win the division, there's still a path for the wild card. So if you missed that show, go to LockdownEagles.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere that you listen to podcasts, we're up and available on those platforms, but really, any scenario that you look at, Lars, you have to win. You had to win the Washington game last week, which you took care of. You got to win this Dallas game, and you had to win the Washington game week 17. That's that's the key, really, to get to this point. And then you split between the Texans and the Rams. I would say, point. for all intents and purposes, Washington's out. They're they're done at this point. Mark because Sanchez, I love the guy. He was actually with the Eagles when they were nine. He he led the Eagles at one point to a nine and three record in 2014, but then the true Sanchez showed himself, and that's what he did on Monday night, and that's where they're at right now. And they, I feel bad for them because of all the injuries. Their entire offensive line has been depleted. On Monday night, they lost their two backup guards, so they had third string interior offensive linemen in against the Eagles. They're done. Which I mean, I was saying all season long they've, they've they were kind of a phony team anyway. Right. But right. Some other important games that the Eagles... The Eagles have been pretty successful in must-win games against Dallas when it comes to them making or missing the playoffs. So I, I think back to 2006 with Jeff Garcia. That was the most realistic... That was that was the most relatable scenario situation that the Eagles have had then to now. But I also think of 2008, the 44-6 game in Week 17 that got that 9-6-1 Eagles team into the playoffs. I think of 2013... Week 17 with Nick Foles to get in the 27-2 and season. So the Eagles have been pretty successful against the Cowboys in must-win games, and they have to do it again today or on Sunday. It cannot be like 2009 in Week 17 when they got blown out for the division loss. Or 2014 where it was later in the season on Sunday Night Football and they lost that game as well. Or even 2016 kind of on Sunday Night Football. I think it was around Week 10 or 11. The Eagles had an opportunity there to pull within a game of the Cowboys and really be right there, or I think it was even to tie it up, and then Dallas went on that run to 13-3. and The Eagles pretty much 
tailored off after starting 3-0 and that season. So this is the biggest game of the season, Lars. Like I said, last week was huge, and obviously the Giants, when you put yourself in a hole that the Eagles have been under 500, you're going to be in these situations every week. But this is the biggest one. Oh, absolutely. It's bigger than next week's against Houston, against against Washington. You have to win this football game with Dallas in first place now. I was sort of curious if they were going to flex this game. I was, too. If there was – I think it was already flexed. So it's Rams and Bears, and they're not – look, you're the not Eagles, move, You're not moving that. The Eagles-Cowboys game has more at stake, but you're not moving a – you're not flexing – the only reason you'd flex a game is if it's between just two terrible teams and you have a playoff scenario type game – between the Cowboys or playoff implication game between the Eagles and the Cowboys, and then you would flex out a, a, a Niners Giants game, right? Mm-hmm. But if it's if it's two NFC powerhouses like the Rams and the Bears, y- even though the Eagles Cowboys has more riding on it, you're not going to move that out, right? So, by the way, Gino Camilleri calling you out. You owe me a beer, my friend. <laughs> Razul Douglas, the PFF grades came out, and I don't know if anyone saw, but follow us on Twitter for these stupid nerdy Eagles bets at DiBiase LOE. <laughs> This is absurd. <laughs> at, I, well, I saw this on Twitter. I'm at, like, you two are freaking nerds. At Gino underscore LOE. So me and Gino had a bet on Monday. Razul Douglas, my guy. Sidney Jones, his guy. Although I'm part of the Sidney Jones brand as well. But I'm more on the free Zool campaign. That's been my thing all season long. So we had a bet, a beer bet. Razul Douglas versus Sidney Jones, both starting on the outside against the Redskins. Who finishes with the higher PFF grade? And I thought, honestly, Lars, it was going to be Sidney Jones because Jones was on lockdown all night long. But PFF gave him a bad tackling grade for missing that Adrian Peterson tackle on the 90-plus yard touchdown run. And Razul, meanwhile, had the tackling day of his life. So, Gino, you owe me a beer, my friend. Thank you, Razul Douglas, for – because, look, I I have not looked good on Razul Douglas the past couple weeks. Against the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football, he looked bad. Against the Saints, he looked bad. Then he got hurt. So – Razul Douglas, my man, thank you for coming through on Monday against Washington. <laughs> and it was, but look, Lars, you look before we get to our next segment where we're going to kind of talk about, we're going to get into the deck, Prescott Love. I need to put, I need to try to t- to take out this Contro- fire. Control yourself. I need, to, I need to, I'll control myself, but I need to take out this fire that has been the deck, Prescott Love, the past couple of weeks. But first, I mentioned the secondary. Jim Schwartz, I've been pretty impressed with lately. I feel like he's adjusted way more than he did earlier on in the season, where me and you and Gino, we've been getting on him a lot, and so is Eagles Twitter. One thing that I'm really nervous about is the Amari Cooper factor. Yeah. Where the Eagles like to keep both corners on the same side. Like, they, Rizul Douglas on the left, he's going to stay on the left. Sidney Jones on the right, he's going to stay on the right. And against Amari Cooper, that to me is a really, really big mistake. Because while I like Rizul Douglas... Amari Cooper is a really good route runner, very technically sound, great footwork. He's going to open up Douglas's hips like he did on Sunday Night Football a couple weeks ago, and I think he's going to shred him. That's just not the matchup for Razul Douglas. And when you have Douglas playing up at the line but not letting him grapple and press with his hands, Douglas has no chance against Amari Cooper. They need to shadow him with Sidney Jones, and I just don't think they're going to do it. Yeah, I, I just... I don't really see it either. When I I look at what Philadelphia is up against against Dallas this week, Philadelphia has actually had a good run D the entire season. I don't yeah. I don't feel afraid of Ezekiel Elliott, but the main key that the defense has to have is you got to limit him to three to four yards, because 
if they constantly get third and shorts a lot of the time, and Amari Cooper, he is so quick off the snap. And he's been huge for their offense. Uh-huh. Their offense is night and day with Amari Cooper. Uh, absolutely. And I wouldn't be shocked if Jim Schwartz puts not a spy on Dak Prescott, but I think he may put a spy on Amari Cooper. He'll, he'll have two guys on him at all times. Because, to be honest with you, who am I afraid of on the Dallas offense outside of Amari Cooper when it comes to wide receivers? No, there's. I'd be no. more than I'd be more than happy keeping single coverage, uh, on Cole Beasley, on Allen Hearns, Gallup. or whatever. I think I'm Gallup not, does. I'm pose. not. A, yeah, I'm not, I'm not afraid got, of. I'm not afraid of Gallup. I'm afraid of his strengths compared to Razul Douglas's weaknesses. Right. Gallup's the, a big target. Yeah. The good thing is, is Avante Maddox comes back this week, and he's played slot corner this year. He has played safety. While he's been really successful at both, the Eagles have nailed that fourth-round pick. Avante Maddox, I really, really like. And I and I, I was a big fan of, of Sidney Jones and Razul Douglas and Jalen Mills. So I was kind of like, I don't know if they really needed this other corner that can play on the inside. Jones is really good in the slot this year so far. But he has been awesome. Tackling, he's been playing everywhere. On the outside, in the slot, at safety, he's just been the Malcolm Jenkins, basically, of rookies this has year. Has he kind of saved their season? He, in a way. In a way. I mean – well, I mean, he hasn't obviously. Because look at it, how th- look at how him, thin they've been. Right, and you've seen. I think it, I don't think he's saved the season, but you look at him and you look at since he's been hurt. You appreciate him more because mm-hmm. Corey Graham and Trey Sullivan and Chandon Sullivan and Cravion LeBlanc, these guys that really have not had a lot of NFL experience, they're the ones getting a lot of the playing time. And with Maddox back this week, he's going to help Douglas over the top. He is an athletic, fast safety. He's a guy that has corner experience. He really is a cornerback. And the Eagles like to have corner experience at safety. Both Rodney McLeod and Malcolm Jenkins had that experience. So getting Jenkins be- or getting Maddox back, excuse me is going to be huge for this, too. It's going to be huge for Razul yeah, Douglas because as now well. Jenkins more so can play even more freely at linebacker and roaming around with different matchups on defense, and Maddox can help out with Razul Douglas and with matchups there. The only thing, I mean, you just have to stop Amari Cooper when it comes to run after the catch. That's the thing is, I'm more concerned with his route running underneath, over the middle, on the outsides. His deep ball game, he is going to be successful with that if Razul Douglas is covering him. Dak Prescott, I don't, I am not scared of Dak Prescott beating us deep at all. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm not. And we're going to get into a next segment, but I think maybe he's most dangerous when it comes to 15 to 20 yards. Right, throws. and it's when like he's, he's running he's a around. Great intermediate. Yeah, thrower. he's running around and he finds the intermediate route for a first down. That's where Dak, Dak Prescott lives. Really, he's kind of an Alex Smith type. Mm-hmm. And poor Alex Smith. Shout out to Alex Smith. That. Uh, terrible news. Even he's a Washington Redskin, but you never want to hear the, the infected situation with his surgery so Very far. Very similar to what Zach Miller had yeah. went through. So, But with Dak Prescott, much like the Saints did with Carson Wentz, where they just took the Eagles' run game out of the equation and made Carson Wentz beat them. And that's going to be one of the big challenges for, for Philadelphia right. in this game is going to be, can they get the run game going with the kind of linebacking right. play that, that Leighton Vanderesh and Jalen Smith possesses? And, and I think they will, and I think it's a good time to get that going with how well the Eagles' offensive line is playing right now, especially oh, Jason Kelsey. Jason Kelsey. Brandon oh, Brooks. my God. Jason Kelsey was ranked the third highest-graded center uh, this year, I think so far. Brandon Did Brooks you is number see one. that that block? He went downfield yep. with one arm. Brandon Brooks has been the best right guard in football all year long, and Lane Johnson last week was a man possessed. So the offensive line is playing at the perfect time. But back on the Cowboys' offensive side, much like the Saints did beating Carson Wentz, saying 
we're going to take out the run game. Carson Wentz has to beat us with his arm because we're going to score more points, and we think with no run game, the Eagles are not going to be able to match us toe-to-toe. The Eagles should do that with the Cowboys. Take out Ezekiel Elliott. You cannot let him rush for over 150 yards like he did last game. That's the key. Make Dak Prescott beat you. Cut out his running lanes, take out the run, and make him throw that football down the field. I would not be shocked if Jim Schwartz this week implements a very tight defensive formation when it comes to uh, tight flat dime packages. We're talking uh, 4-3 with with one of the linebackers probably playing on the line of scrimmage. They want to show that, look, if you want to beat us, Dak's going to have to throw the ball 30 yards down the field and hope he gets that one-on-one coverage with Amari or with Michael Gallup. They're going to box everything in. They're going to force Ezekiel Elliott to either go to the outside because right now the most important aspect is making sure he doesn't get those 10-yard runs, 15-yard runs, churning first downs over and over again. You don't want to let him hit that second level because we know how good he is. Absolutely. This is the Lockdown Eagles podcast. We're going to take a quick break and a word from our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to try to hose down this Dak Prescott love. And I want to get into it because so blogging the boys was getting chippy this week. I saw a, an interesting list that came out ranking the top 12 Eagles and Cowboys combined on both rosters right now. now so I've got, actually never seen this. So, and, yeah, and I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm holding you in the dark. I'm keeping you in the dark for a reason. I want to get your raw reaction. This is the Locked On Eagles podcast. This episode of Locked On Eagles is sponsored by Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing. Heat on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panel similar to a heated car seat that can reach temperatures up to 135 degrees and are powered by rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion batteries that last up to 12 hours on each charge. Action Heat batteries can also be used to recharge your phone or any other gadget while you're wearing them. Perfect for any friend or family member on your holiday gift list. Great for anyone who works outdoors, skiers, snowboarders, or anybody that really loves the outdoors or hates being cold. Action Heat clothing provides toasty warmth and comfort for your whole body, including heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats and even undergarments like heated base layer shirts and long johns you can stay warm and cozy from head to toe with action heat heated products that fit everyone's budget starting at just $39.99 we've got a special deal for our lockdown eagles listeners to save 20% off your entire order just go to actionheat.com slash lockdown that's actionheat.com slash lockdown to check out everything action heat has to offer that's actionheat.com slash lockdown to use the promo code lockdown at checkout to save 20% off. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat, and we thank them for sponsoring the Lockdown Eagles podcast today. Welcome back, everybody, to the Lockdown Eagles podcast this Thursday edition. It's a bonus podcast because Gino Camilleri and Marcus Mosher of Lockdown Cowboys, they are recording their crossover edition today. So whenever you're listening to this, it might already be up on the podcast feed. So go check out that crossover edition of Lockdown Eagles and Lockdown Cowboys on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Lars, in the second segment, I'm really getting sick of Dak Prescott love. You think? And I think, look, I understand the Cowboys are hot right now and they're on a winning streak. But the minute, it's kind of like LeBron James in the NBA, the minute good things are happening to the Dallas Cowboys, the media gets all over it. And I don't understand the infatuation with Dallas. But here's the difference with that previous statement. LeBron has earned it. Right. And that's, look, I understand. And hats off to to the Cowboys. They have been 
their defense. They're better. Their They're defense better than what been, they were before. Their defense has been awesome. And I'll even give it credit to Jerry Jones. He has drafted really well on the defensive side of the football. Leighton Vander Esch and Jalen Smith, the young athletic combination at linebacker, that is scary. Demarcus Lawrence on the edge. Byron Jones right now, the most underrated corner in football, might might be playing like the best corner in football so far this year. Out of UConn, the, the combine athletic nightmare for those of you that I don't know if, if people remember him, but he was an athletic freak at the NFL Combine a couple of years ago. And I, I was interested in him as an Eagle, kind of joining Malcolm Jenkins as that safety corner hybrid before McLeod came in. But one person that's getting too much credit, and it, again, it comes down to QB wins used as a stat, and I it drives me up a wall, is Dak Prescott. I, I'm sorry, but when you don't score a single point in the second half against the New Orleans Saints and you still win, why are you as the quarterback the one getting the credit? You know, it should be getting the credit. Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith. And, Those and, are the guys that won the game. And Ezekiel Elliott, too. Like, their offense, Amari Cooper, hats off to him. He's been balling out, and he's making Dak Prescott it's look It's been really everyone good. else but Dak. And Ezekiel Elliott, too, it's just... When you have, I mean, how many games here? I'm looking at his stats. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's eight games this year, Lars, where he has one touchdown or zero. Sounds like That's, Alex Smith to me. I mean, I'm sorry. And then one, two, three, four, four games under 200 yards. I, I mean, he has a 95.4 QBR. He's completing 66% of his passes. That's fine. He's got... He's only got 14 touchdowns, and he's got five interceptions. Let's he be doesn't real. Turn the football he over. Feed, he I, you, feeds, I just described Tyrod Taylor and look, Alex Smith. He feeds off of Zeke. Zeke is the offense. Right. If he's not getting going, Dak won't. I just I've seen too much where now, you know, the the narrative on him totally switched after one win, and it was not an impressive win on his end. Scoring 13 points against the Saints. What did he do in that game that made you think now that we're, we're reverting back to this Dak versus Wentz stuff? I'm not going to pretend like I haven't seen on film what I've seen from Dak Prescott the past couple years. And people have been throwing out, even Philadelphia media people, like Elliot Shore Parks, defending Dak Prescott. I mean, I, I don't understand it when you look at Prescott, and people like to use the 2016 stats. They, they're going to combine all three years, which is fair. But 2016 should be held to a lower it should be carried with less weight than the other ones. And my point here is, yes, Prescott was better than Wentz his rookie year. You know what the difference is, Lars? Carson Wentz didn't have Ezekiel Elliott. That, and he didn't have – he had Doriel Green-Beckham as a receiver, and he was bad, and Josh Huff, and he was bad, and number 17, Nelson Aguilar, and he was bad. But and he had an offensive line that was still trying to find its way. And Lane Johnson barely played that year. Regardless, though, still, Dak was better. He almost beat Aaron Rodgers in a playoff game. I'll give it to him. But one difference between the two. Every year, Wentz has improved. Whether the critics on Wentz, whether you like it or not, this year he is a more accurate passer. He's a better pocket passer than he has been in years past. He's he's getting his mobility back from the torn ACL on Monday night against Washington. That, that was a great sign seeing him play. Honestly, a little bit more reckless, running around in the pocket. I know Dishing you those that. dimes to Golden Tate on that uh-huh. first drive was awesome. Yes. The PA rollout to Nelson Aguilar, 35 yards down the field. Monday night was like he, he missed some throws. He was a little less accurate than he's been this year. But we were starting but to see was, some of the old cars. Right, again. and that's what I'm good with is not a lot of people have the gall to throw – that passed a Golden Tate in the back of the end zone. A lot of people probably would have took off, and I don't know if it's because of Wentz's torn ACL, but that throw was awesome. But regardless, he has improved from rookie year to – he went from rookie year crazy, still a little off mechanics. He struggled late in the second half of the season, really couldn't complete any comebacks. He went from that to an MVP candidate last year, and this year 
only being now 10 or he's he's not even a year removed from that torn ACL against the Rams he despite that is completing over 70% of his balls and he barely has outside of three picks against the Saints he barely has any interceptions this year and yeah, he's improved took, his it accuracy took a, it took him a couple of games cuz obviously when you come out of an out of an ACL surgery you're yeah. not going to be the Carson of what 2017 would, what but would you ever say, since then He's yeah. been phenomenal. And to me, accuracy, wouldn't you say accuracy was the one thing Wentz had to work on? Yes. From from year one and two to year three, accuracy was the thing inside the pocket that, to me, he had to work on. Mm-hmm. And he's more accurate this year. So That ball he threw to Ertz over the middle, yeah. which you actually had a bit of a gripe of because – Well, Alshon was wide Alshon open. was wide open. Again, people have heard me talk about the over-reliance on Ertz. Look, Ertz is getting open, so hats off to him. He deserves the ball when he's fleecing defenses like this. But I just I need more Alshon and Aguilar in my life. That's right. I, I love that Golden Tate got involved. I thought it was the perfect balance on Monday. But I still need more from Alshon and Aguilar. When but, a quarterback has an elite yeah. tight end, it is hard to separate himself right. from him. It's just it's I, to me it's still not even close when we're talking about Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz. Dak Prescott is not a guy that can lift a team. I mean that 2016 season, Wentz had nothing on offense and he was still taking them to a higher level of play mm-hmm. that first half of the season than he should have as a rookie. When has Dak Prescott elevated the play of his receivers and offensive players around him? When? Because he wasn't doing it before they added Amari Cooper. It was no different. Like, when you look at when Des Bryant was there, when Jason Witten was in his last season. Were Des they suffered any, because of him. Were they any different no. than they were with Tony Romo? And, no. Well, Des was worse. Yeah, Des was worse. Because so, Dak Prescott yeah. can't throw a deep ball. It's just it's something that he may have the arm strength to do it, but he doesn't choose to do it. He's a fine starting quarterback in the NFL. He's He knows how to win football games. That's good. He plays, for the most part, although he didn't play good late against the Saints, for the most part, he steps up in the fourth quarter, and that's a really, really good trade to have in a starting quarterback. I liked Dak Prescott coming out of Mississippi State, so I'm not going to pretend like I think he's always been this terrible quarterback. But he is limited, and when I see him on the field, I think of the same things that I think of when I saw Tyrod Taylor and when I think of Alex Smith. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I see, a guy He can make some plays with his legs. He can, yeah. he can make some plays happen, but he's not someone that's going to single-handedly win a game. Carson yeah. Wentz over he's the last two Jack- seasons yeah. has single-handedly win games for Philadelphia when the defense hasn't been there. He's not beating Drew Brees in a shootout. I mean, that's not something you can well, ask. That, few guys can. <laughs> right, right. But you, that Chiefs-Rams game, I if I'm the Cowboys and I look at that game and I look at Dak Prescott, I'm saying he's never getting to that. No. He's never outdueling those teams if, if we're caught in that kind of situation. He's not going to so touch So you're Pat always going to have to play grinded out, low-scoring football. And, again, if, if the game is close in the fourth quarter, he has stepped up. He did it to us in 2016 in overtime. Yeah, one of his traits is that he's not, he's not very flappable, as in – you can't get an emotional read out of him. Nothing right. really seems to bother him. But I think that's because he's not asked to do everything. There's been times where Wentz has to do everything in the offense because you and I both know how awful the running game has been for most of the season. Right, I agree. The play calling with Dak Prescott, I think the passes he makes is not nearly as difficult. The bullets Wentz was pulling off on Monday night, the one pass to Zach Ertz over the middle for a first down, Which was not the smartest throw. Wentz put it into this razor-thin window, tiny, tiny Mm -hmm. window between three Redskin defenders, and he drilled it in stride to Ertz in his hands. I don't see that from Dak Prescott. And I'm sorry, I will not ignore what I see with my eyes. And I know people don't like to go with the eye test a lot. They rely 
on stats a little bit too much. And with Dak Prescott versus Wentz, you're going to suffer in a debate by using just basic stats. That's why I hate just stat junkies. I'm like, and yet guys. I just pulled up stats, Lars, at Salik. I mean, he has eight games this year that have one touchdown or yeah. or no touchdown performance. You need you need film to correlate with stats. I feel like just strictly looking at numbers alone is not a convincing argument. I mean, you when can you use see, them, but it's got to be like it's got to be one of the elements. You need context. You need context with the stats. You need to see. Say, for example, let's say you never even watched a game. Say you didn't watch a game. You didn't even see what this particular quarterback did. And then when you check on Monday morning, and say as two hundred and you know fifty eight yards of passing, a touchdown and two interceptions, you're gonna think, well, you didn't have that good of a day. You got to know how those interceptions happen, where those yards are coming from, what plays were made during that game, and regardless if he wins or loses, you need to see what he's what he's doing in order to really justify those statistics and your argument in particular. And I feel like that a lot of people have tend to tended to ignore this. Everyone has become so obsessed with stats, wins being the worst thing. Like, QB wins is such, right. a, such a terrible stat. I know. It's you such a lazy to, stat. You have to look at the outlook and the makeup of a team and a player to truly give yourself a convincing argument as to why you would think one way or the other. Like, I'll never even, like, the the first game with the Eagles and Falcons, I'm not giving Nick Foles that win. No. That's just not, it's not how it works. And yet, it's been very accepted. It's sensationalism. The entire existence of the NFL, QB wins has been a real thing that people consistently rely on year after year with football analysis. Let's take one more break here on the Lockdown Eagles podcast. When we come back and wrap up the show, I want to get Lars's reaction to a list of top 12 Eagles and Cowboys players combined from a national media member. We're going to get your raw reaction, and then we'll kind of we'll see where this list is right and wrong. This is the Lockdown Eagles podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to the final edition of this Thursday edition. Well, final segment. We're not we're not retiring from Lockdown Eagles yet, Lars. No, we're we're, we're still going to be doing this. Not even quite close. Not even close. We're not. We're just getting started. We're just getting started. So hey, I found a list. It's from a guy that you're not very fond of, and I'm not really oh, either. No. Most of Philadelphia isn't, and his name is Colin oh, Hot Take. Oh, Colin Hot no. Take Coward. He, oh, not him. But it was an interesting concept. It was an interesting story that or topic that he was discussing. He threw out a list. On his show, top twelve players in Cowboys Eagles. Let me read you off the list. So this I is know what so this is the with. rosters now. Not yeah, like all no, time. it's not all time. Okay. All right. Number one, Carson Wentz. Number two, Ezekiel Elliott. And don't react until the end of the list. Number two, Ezekiel Elliott. Number three, Leighton Vander Esch. Number four, Fletcher Cox. Number five, Demarcus Lawrence. I like your facial expressions already because I'm agreeing with them. Number six, Zach Ertz. Number seven, Lane Johnson. Number eight is Zach Martin. Then they have Jason Kelsey at nine. Then they have two Cowboys at ten and eleven. Jalen Smith and Amari Cooper. And then twelve is Malcolm Jenkins. Wentz is right at one. What is awesome, first off, is that Prescott's not on this list because I agree. God, Prescott at least is he's not. that aware. So at least he has that. One thing I thought was crazy on this list was Leighton Vanderesh at three over Fletcher Cox at four. Fletcher Cox is a top ten defensive player in the NFL. What? Why? Like Vander has been he might win rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. He's been a really I mean, he's good linebacker. But he is Fletcher not Cox has been a proven thing in the NFL the last three years. Right, and is he higher than Demarcus Lawrence? No. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know. Fletcher Cox. No, 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 not Cox. I'm saying oh. is Vander better than Demarcus Lawrence uh, even? I don't know. I think Lawrence 
I mean, I'll give it to Vandresh. He was on us all day. He knew everything that we were. Is Lawrence up. is Lawrence an All Pro this year? I would think so. Uh, yeah, I think he's good in top five. Zacharitz at six is fair. Lane Johnson even I would put ahead of Vanderesh. Vanderesh is way too high here at three. Jason Kelsey's at nine behind Zach Martin. I disagree with that. First off, Brandon Brooks is not on this list, and I don't think he it, he does that justice because I don't think Cowherd knows who Brandon Brooks is. Brandon Brooks is the best right guard in football. He is better than Zach Martin right now. That should be Brandon Brooks right there on this list. Brooks, super underrated. He does not among give up a Among the highest price. PFF grades among guards in the league. He has not given up a sack since week one of 2016. His first <laughs> game, his first game <laughs> with the Eagles. That's frightening. That's how good this guy has been, and he can't even make this list. Jalen Smith's good. I, I like that. I mean, I'd be honest. I put him over Malcolm Jenkins. Yeah. Amari Cooper at 11. Malcolm Jenkins at 12. I, I don't have a whole lot of problem with this list. I think Brooks should be in there. I think Lane Johnson should be a bit higher. I think Kelsey should be over Martin. I've got a bit of a Vanders bone. has got to be lower. Mm, I've got a bit of a bone to pick with this list. Okay. Because my bias might be showing here, but when I look at film with Dallas, and I've seen the last couple games with Dallas, Leighton Van Der Esch is a really good linebacker. He'll wreck let's, a game. Let's make this clear. But the one guy that pops out is Jalen Smith. He's at 10. His is he seven spots lower than Vanderesh? I just Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I First think he's off, way too high. I think Jalen Smith should be seven or seven on this list. I think he should be just below Zach Ertz. Jalen Smith. He's a Notre Dame guy, too. That's I know he's bias. a Notre Dame he's guy. Notre that Dame. is my bias. But, no, you're not As a wrong, Notre Dame though. guy. Jalen Smith is a freak. Like, seeing him move laterally. This is something he does that Leighton Vanderesh probably is not as good as. Leighton Vanderesh is really good at reading a play. Jalen Smith, I've seen some great linebackers over the years. The speed that he has going laterally to the outside and making a tackle on a running back that may have a block or two is frightening. Why isn't Razul Douglas on this list? For the brand. <laughs> for, for the brand. That's a good way to end it. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Eagles. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to today's edition of the show. Follow our Twitter accounts at Locked on Birds, at DiBiaseLOE, at Lars Lewis 12, and my boy Gino at Gino underscore LOE. He's got crossover edition today with Marcus Mosher of Locked on Cowboys. I'm Lou DiBiase. He's Lars Lewis. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. And let's go, Birds. Go, Birds.